If you've been with us for a few weeks now, you know we're in the middle of this series. Uh, it's, in the, it's in the book of First John. And uh, First John is called an epistle. Um, that means that it's a letter. It's just a fancy word for a letter, right? It's like you write a letter to a friend. But back after Jesus came to earth 2,000 years ago, and after he lived amongst humans just like us, these weren't like holy men that floated around, you know, in dresses. They were people, real people like us. They started to see God working in a recorded those things for one another. And one of the ways they did it is they sent letters to each other. And we've been looking at the letter that, that was written by John to the churches. And uh, I want to remind you as we kind of get into it this morning, we're going to be talking this morning um, about this concept of being children of God. It's something that John really pushes on in his letter to the churches. But I want to remind you kind of what we've been, been doing. Bring it into focus a little bit maybe this morning. You can go ahead and open your Bibles if you want um, to First uh, John 2. That'll get you close enough. I think it's going to be on page 845 if you're using one of our Bibles or on the end of the chairs there. You can grab one. If you brought your own, you can probably find it. It's kind of about there. It's toward the back. So if you're like me and you're thumbing through trying to find the right page, it's going to be toward the back of the book, right? And... Um, and I just want to kind of look through, and you can kind of follow along with your eyes in, in, in John 1. You can kind of just peruse the text there and see what we've been talking about. But I, I do want to remind you that the first thing that, that John talks about is being loved by God. It's the fundamental thing. He calls himself a disciple whom Jesus loved, right, in, in his own gospel. It's called the Gospel of John. The good news that John found was that he was loved by God. And he says the same thing is true for you, that God loves you in the same way. And that, that's actually how he starts this, saying that we were loved by God. And, and then we talked about um, how from the very beginning, we've had the truth revealed to us, that, that people have been proclaiming it around us, and that that's what this gospel, this letter does, I should say, is it proclaims the good news of Jesus. You'll see there in the beginning of two, end of one, the beginning of two there, how it reminds us that we're to walk in the light, you know, that the world is darkness, and we're called not to walk in darkness, walk into the light right? And, and that's part of our, our, our life in Christ, what it looks like to be in Jesus. And then we talked about how we're made complete in him, that, that until you come to an understanding of who Jesus is and of what Jesus did and of what he continues to do, you're not done. You're not complete as a human. That we talked about a few weeks ago how that the whole ways of the world make no sense detached from God, and right now, I believe our society just proclaims that, you know, profusely. That when we make our own way, when we find our best solutions to our problems and we leave God out of it, there's no good that comes from that. It's completely broken. And so we talked about that as well. And then we're, we're, we're starting to hear this message, and it's going to re, re, return in this text repeatedly in the, God, the letter that John writes to the churches, to love our brother to love our brother. And it means brothers and sisters, to love one another, uh, to love others. And so this becomes a refrain we heard and will continue to hear as we work through this letter, right? Uh, Corey shared with us a few weeks ago these stages of faith, how we kind of grow up in our faith in Jesus. And it's not about how old you are. It's about where you are in your walk with Christ, in your relationship with Jesus. And then we talked last week about kind of the, or the last two weeks, I should say, about this world system that's sin-soaked and broken, and, and how in our relationship with Jesus, there are, there are, there are real and, and present forces that are working against it. And I know it gets a little like, 
you know, sketchy sometimes. You go, really? You believe that? Yes. I mean, the Bible proclaims that, that, that our battle isn't against flesh and blood, and we tend to do that. We turn on one another, but principalities and powers. That, there, that God is making a statement in Jesus Christ that he is the king, that he is the solution provider, and that he is the way. And that truth is a challenge to every single system that man builds, every single one. And there are, um, there are principalities and powers at work that want to deny him his rightful place as creator of the universe and as God of your heart and mine. And that's what we call antichrist, this thing that is against the anointing of Jesus. And so you remember last week we talked about that a little bit. And um, he's going to go right off of that into where we're going to talk about this week, which is, um, which is John, our first John 228, we're going to start there, but he's going to jump right in this concept that this anointing and what it means, this blessing that God has given in Jesus, this very real presence has some implications that you and I have to get, need to understand and believe. So we're going to do what we always do, and I, I hope in your pri- private life, I hope you're reading the Word of God, even if it's just little pieces, you know, finding a way to ingest the Word of God into your life daily, not on Sundays, not weekly, not monthly or yearly, but daily ingesting the Word of God. And I hope the way you begin that is in the relationship you have with Him wherever you are. And we do that through prayer. And so I'm going to invite you, as is our habit, and I hope it becomes yours, to pray before you open the Word of God that He would reveal Himself through it. So today, Father, we come proclaiming that that we know you and yet want to know you better. That you are loving us and yet we don't fully understand the reality of this love. So today, Lord, if you open the word that you've given us, this gift, this testimony of the saints that have come before us, we pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would open our minds to its truth, open our hearts to response to you, that we'd have eyes to see and ears to hear. Your word is so profound for our lives now. And we pray, Lord, that we would see it. We know it's true. We pray that we would see it ourselves, Father. So do your will today in our hearts and minds. We give ourselves over to you in this time to have what you want with us. And uh, we just trust you with it. Pray these things in the holy name, the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. And so we're going to kind of roll through here. Um, I just want to read this text, this really brief, small snippet, and then they'll give you kind of an idea. If you want to wander after that, you can wander. But uh, we're going to kind of just go here from verse 28 of chapter 2. It says this, And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears we may be confident and unashamed before him in his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. How great is the love that the Father has lavished on us that we are called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So we come around the heels of this talking about anointing of God, about this Christ, this reality that Jesus is the Messiah. And in that belief and in trusting in him, we have this new thing and it's a relationship with God as his children. I want to remind you that if you, if less, I just want you to think through this and, and if you don't believe what I'm saying, look it up, read it. 
and see what the word says. Because what he talks about right above that is the, the, the uh, one who would deny Christ is the one who would deny that Jesus is the Messiah. And so all of this stuff, being children of God, and I, I, I'm going to spend a minute here because I think it's so important, is rooted in Jesus. This concept that we're all God's children, we hear it all the time in our society. Well, we're all God's children, right? That truth is rooted in Jesus. As a matter of fact, you'll remember when Jesus was serving his earthly ministry, when he was walking among us, walking around, right, peripateo, whenever he was chilling with the disciples, when he was showing them the way it is, he would turn to people and he would say, your father is not God. You're the sons and daughters of Satan. What? Now, we don't say that anymore, do we? We say like, well, we're all God's children. That truth was proclaimed by Jesus, and it's exclusive to Jesus, that we are children of God, that in this, in Christ, we become children. And so here, he talks about this in the very first, I'm just going to kind of roll through here a little bit. And uh, he says, uh, and now, dear children, you'll notice that's the same kind of uh, little, little ones, he means. It's not just like children, like, hey, kids. It's like, hey, little guys. Hey, little children, we continue in him. We abide in him. We remain in him. We dwell in him. In who? In Jesus Christ, right? So that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. And it goes on to say that if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. So there's this, there's the truth that this relationship with Jesus isn't a one-time thing. There's a truth that there's an enemy that wants to take it from us, if it's possible, to remove our Father's grip from our hands. And, and what the word says is to remain in Jesus, to hold fast to the first things, to never let it go. And in that relationship, we have the Father and the Son. We have relationship with both. And we become children of God. So I wonder for those of you today who are here, do you, do you know that? Do you, do you believe Jesus you know, we kind of take those two things separately. Well, we're all children of God, and I believe in Jesus. Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah? Do you believe that he was sent by his Father to be the only solution to our sin problem? That apart from him, there's no way to have peace with God. Do you know Jesus in a relationship? You know, we talk here, disciplines of like reading scripture and prayer aren't disciplines so we can look holy on the outside. We don't do it so that people can think, boy, he's spiritual, he reads his Bible every day. Boy, he's awesome because, you know, he prays constantly. The truth of what you're seeing in the life of a believer isn't, isn't a demonstration, it's a relationship. It isn't there for other men to see. As a matter of fact, it says that if that's what you're doing it for, you've gotten everything you're going to get in Jesus. What we see in one another is a developing and ongoing and growing relationship with Jesus. Do you know him? Do you get up in the morning? Somebody said to me today, they said, you know, I talk to God all the time and people think I'm crazy. 
I'll just talk to God about it. Why is that? Why is that so strange? That it wouldn't be our normal belief that the first time there's a problem, we don't go running, you know, mom or dad, we don't go running to our brothers and sisters, we don't go running to our husband or wife, but we turn to the Father who made us. It's our normal response as believers to pray. You know, do you, do you claim Jesus as your own? Is that the thing you hold the fastest to? Come what may, I have Jesus. No matter how hard it gets, I have Jesus. In the very, very end, the last thing you will see, the last thing my witness to anyone will be, and if there's nobody there to see it, and it's just me, I will be hanging on to the one who promised eternal life. That is what a relationship with Jesus looks like. Because everything else is going to pass and go away. And what will be left is what you have with God of what you've developed in your response. And the last question is, do you, do you proclaim Jesus, you know? So I have a question for many of you here. You've been here a lot, and I know many of you believe in Jesus, right? Is that true? I know many of you here claim Jesus. I know many of you here trust Jesus. Is that true? Yes? A few of you, right? I, I think that's why we're here, is to worship the one who created us, who was in the beginning, right? So I want to do something today. Because what the word says is that, and now, dear children, continue in him so you may be confident and unashamed before he is, has come, before his coming, right? That you won't shy away from Jesus. You know, the word says that there'll be a day that all will be raised, some to confess him as Christ. Everyone will confess him as Christ, but some will know him. The word here actually says they will speak freely before him. It's like whenever a friend shows up at a party and you don't go like, oh no, you're here. You go like, finally you're here. And the word actually says there, it says, let, let me read what it says. As for you, the anointing you receive in him, I'm way behind here. But he appears, maybe a confident. The confidence means that we're going to have words for him. We're going to know him. We're going to praise him. We're going to pour out because we're going to be like, that's Jesus. And I've known him for a long time. And when he shows up, we're just going to pour forth in utter confidence because we've been doing it all along. And the word says that there'll be those raised and they're going to shy away. It says that they may be unashamed. It means that they're literally going to shrink from him. They're going to proclaim that he is the Messiah, that the word is true, that he was a solution to God's problem that, that was in the world with sin, but they're going to be pushed away from him. It reminds me of a magnetic thing. They'll be just dividing that'll occur. But the children of God will be drawn to him and they will speak confidently before him. So if that's you, I want you to know something today at a fundamental level that you are children of God. That you are children of God. So do you know Jesus today? Do you, do you believe? If you do, I want you to say, I'm, we are children of God. That's what we're going to say. Ready? We are children of God. That's right. So if you confess Jesus as your Savior, we are children of God. Say it again. We are children of God. That means that this changes everything. This truth that John proclaims means that now the relationship is no longer broken 
right? There is a direct communication. The word says the spirit lives in you that compels us towards God. And in this new relationship that's provided through Jesus, we are children of God. And that's a big deal. I want you to think about, and you know, for some of us, we've had bad relations with our parents. And, and, and so that's a hard thing to see God rightly We've had broken human relationships. But I want you to, to know that this is the pure relationship with the Father. This is the holy relationship. This is the right relationship. And it's just something that I don't think that we proclaim, that we believe that we are children of God. And then we even wash it out to say, well, everybody is really children of God, right? The word doesn't say that. The word doesn't say that. I want you to turn, if you will, leave your finger there in 1 John. We're coming back to that. But turn, if you will, to the Gospel of John. Um, we're going to work right around. Who knows what the most famous passage of New Testament is? Yeah, can you say it? It's like Sunday school all over again, isn't that cute? There you go. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And we say those words and we've taken them completely out of the context. And I want to turn today and I want to just talk around it because I, I want you to understand that this conversation just didn't happen in a vacuum. It wasn't like there was just this moment that said, because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This conversation happens at the very beginning of chapter 3, or toward the middle of chapter 3, but we're going to read from the beginning. There's this guy named Nicodemus, right? And it says this. It says, the word proclaims, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. Now, you'll remember the Pharisees, there were some issues that Jesus had with the Pharisees, right? He, they were kind of the ones, he said, you're sons of Satan. I mean, he was, he was kind of having a hard time with them because they didn't believe the Father would send the Messiah, which was himself. So it says, the, there was a guy in the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council, and he came to Jesus at night, right? He came at night to see Jesus, and he says this, Rabbi, that means teacher, we know that you are a teacher who's come right from God, right? We know God sent you, because no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. And in reply to this, Jesus said this, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Now, a man, and then this is Nicodemus' response to this, right? He says, how can a man be born when he's old? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answers, I tell you the truth, no one enters the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. So here's Jesus, and I want you to see this. This concept of children of God doesn't mean that everybody's a child of God. Because here's Jesus saying that, Nicodemus, who comes and says, I know you're teaching from God, he looks at Nicodemus right in the eye and he says, you can't see it unless you're born again. The word means born anew. It means born from above. It means without a divine intervention from God on your behalf, you can't see the kingdom of God. And that means this whole idea that we have of kind of whitewashing out and saying, well, we're all God's children. Can't we all get along? Is that the truth is that it doesn't say it in the gospel. That Jesus says that we're not born until we're born of God. That we're not kingdom people until we're born from heaven. That there's a second birth. And if you don't think he literally meant born, you know, we say, well, he meant, you know, uh, philosophically, you had to be renewed in your mind, right? There's something else. Nicodemus says, how can I be born again? I'm old, right? He literally thinks I have to be born again? And Jesus says, yeah. It's got to happen. 
And that's what this relationship in Christ looks like. It's this process of becoming children of God. Does that make sense? So, I mean, I really want to sit there for a minute because we're going to talk about what it looks like to be a child of God and to be children of God, right? It's always the we here when John's proclaiming it. And, and, and we are the children of God. But it's always through Jesus Christ. It's always through Jesus Christ. You must be born again. And there's no way that you're going to get it. There's no way you're going to be uh, part of the kingdom of God. There's no way you're going to be part of God's solution for the earth if you're not born of him. It says born of the spirit, right? Because the spirit gives birth to spirit. So you must be born again. That's what the word proclaims. And then we go back here now, look, flip back to First uh, John where we were, and it says this, how great, in verse 3, how great is the love that the Father has lavished on us, that he's poured on us, right, that he's given to us. This is, by the way, here's a nice connection for you. How great is the agape, right? That's where that festival gets its name. This love of God that just pours out. How great, how awesome is this gift, this love that the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. So this gift that comes is a birth of the Spirit, and it's through Christ, but it's a gift from God to his children. And we just receive it. It's just given to us. It's ours to have and to hold, to claim and to cling to, to proclaim to the world. And then he says this, and that is exactly what we are. And that is exactly what we are in Jesus is children of God. If we have him, we have the Father, and we've become children in Jesus. We've become his child. And so this is what we proclaim as believers. And then my, my question to you today, my, my question for you today, if you've come here and you're just kind of having a good, are you born again? Have you been born a second time? Has Jesus intervened in your heart and your life to where you proclaim him and love him and know him? Because the truth is, the scary truth is, we can pretend pretty good. We can pretend that we do. We can pretend that we've been touched by God, that we know God. We can say the right words on a Sunday morning and we can make all our, you know, good friends believe we're good and our bad friends know we're bad. And, you know, we can kind of cheat the whole system and scam everybody and deceive ourselves. And friends, that means you're no child of God at all. Are you born again? This is how we inherit the kingdom. So I'm going to invite you now to contemplate, to think about that, to answer that question. Have you been born of God? Because if you're born of God, all the rest of this book becomes applicable to you, that you can respond in this way, that you'll see these responses in your life. But I want to ask you, are you born again? And um, we're going to pray. And if you've not been born again, if you don't know this love of Jesus, if you don't have the spirit living in you, and you know it, you know you don't have it because God's revealing that to you, I'm going to invite you to pray to receive it this morning. And this isn't a show, and you, don't even, you can do what you want with it after. You can tell me, not tell me. You can tell your friends, not tell your friends. But I'm going to give you a chance today to receive or deny the one who's come to die to save you. So let's pray. Father God, today you know our hearts and minds so well. You know that we expect things a certain way and we're going to come and we're going to do what we want to do. And, and today, Lord, I pray that, that you're working in our hearts and minds. Pray today, Lord, that if, there, if, if we don't know you and we know the game is up, we're just messing around, 
There's no, there's no response from the inside out towards your gospel. There's no response from the inside out towards your kingdom or your people. Lord, I pray today we receive it. The prayer says that we admit that we are not your children until we receive you. Today, Jesus, we ask that you would come into our hearts, come into our minds, that we could know you and no one would have to convince us we're believers because we believe. We thank you, Spirit, for working our lives to convict us and draw us to the cross. We thank you for the great gift that Jesus gave us to become children of God. Today, Lord, I pray that if, if you've moved in someone's heart that way, that they would, they would wrestle with that more. What does this mean next for me? What do I do next? Thank you for the work you've done. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. See, the, the, the gospel can be received any time. You know, it's not a church thing, not a Sunday morning thing, not an end of the service thing. As the Spirit leads, we receive. So here we have now this truth that if we've confessed that, even if just now for the first time you prayed to receive Jesus, if for the first time you said, I acknowledge my sinfulness and I'm receiving Jesus, you have now become children of God. And I want to run through here quickly and we're going to kind of, we're going to wrap it up here. I want to run through quickly though a few things that the word proclaims this morning from the first letter of John to the churches, those who believe in Jesus, right? Those who receive this great gift, this agape from the Father given to us. And the first is this right here, that as children of God, the world will not know us. Look at what the word says to us this morning. It says, dear friends, we are now children of God. Oh, I'm ahead of myself. It says, the reason the world, and, and this is what we are. I'm going to back up to verse one. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is exactly what we are. It's a truth. The reason the world does not know us is it did not know him and I think this is probably one of the hardest things as a believer to understand is that when people look at you straight in the face and go, I don't get it, that's just the truth. They don't get it. And the world didn't get Jesus when he was here. If you read the gospel accounts over and over again, nobody got it. The religious people today didn't get it. His disciples didn't get it. His mom didn't get it. You know what I'm saying? People didn't understand what had happened with Jesus. Isn't this Jesus from Nazareth? What good comes from Nazareth, Right? If they didn't understand him, the world won't understand us. So it didn't, it didn't recognize him. And I'll remind you too that the very beginning of the gospel, John says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And around verse 10 it says, um, he was in the world, and though through him the world was made, the world did not recognize him. And so I want to give you some comfort today that if you've believed in Jesus for a while, and you're really trying to live out your faith for real, and you're really trying to be a believer and not pretend, and you're reading the word and trying to apply it to your life, and people don't get it, that's okay. Because that's what the word says. As children of God, the world, that system that we talked about a few weeks ago, will not understand. Our motives are not the same as theirs. So the takeaway from this idea that the world will not know us is we ought not to expect that it would. 
I wish we could just put that down right now. The expectation that the world would understand what motivates us as believers in Jesus. Just give it up. Because we want that, I think, in some ways. We want, you know, I want people to validate my concerns. I want people to know why I'm motivated the way I am. I want, I want people to understand that. But the truth is, unless they're born of God, they don't. And we need to let that go. As children of God, the world will not know us. It will not perceive us rightly. The second truth we find in the word today is as children of God, we will continue to grow, right? I want you to read with me in the next next verse there. It says, dear friends, now that we are children of God, right? Now that we are born of him and what we will be has not been made known. That means no one fully knows what you're going to become in Jesus. But one thing it means is you will not be the same, you will continually not be the same. In the Greek here, the word means there's a process to discipleship. There's a process to growing in Christ. And we will continually grow. We've talked about how this letter of John is more, it's not like a list of things to do. It's the things that we ought to see. Things that we ought to know are happening in our life, that we can know that we're loved by God and have received him. And the one that we can really look for is are we growing in Christ? Are we growing in him? And this is something that you can check out. No one else can. Are you becoming more or less like Jesus? We talked about that before. So there's this truth that while what we are has not been made known, we know that we won't be the same. Read it again. Dear friends, we know we're children of God and what we will be, that's future perfect tense, has not been made known. That's present tense right now right? And so we don't, we don't know, you know, that, that's kind of the hard thing about it because we aren't sure sometimes where we're heading with this whole Jesus thing, but we're following him and we're growing in him and we'll see that growth over time. And so the takeaway here is to say, look for it in your life. Keep an eye out. Ask people that, that you believe, that you can trust, you know, will understand that. So this would be a brother or sister, right? And, and say, do you see these things? You know, the book of Galatians says the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. You know, our world don't honor those things. Nobody's going to be standing there going, woo, good job on the self-control. You know what I mean? I mean, we say things like we love each other, but we don't. And so you need to be looking for those things in your life. Or am I becoming more like that or less like that? I would encourage you to watch for this growth as children of God. And then the third thing it says here, in the word uh, proclaims to us, it says, Dear friends, we are now children of God, and what we will be has not been made known, but we know that when Jesus appears, right, when he breaks through, when he returns, when he shows up, we will be like him. We will be like him because we'll see him as he is. And, and this is kind of the third thing, is as children of God, we will be like Jesus. We will become like Jesus. There's a lot of people who will spend time arguing about the Jesus in the Bible. What did he really look like? Who was he? Is he masculine or feminine? You know, is he, is he like the, 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 the strong, conquering Jesus? Is he like the kind of wussy Jesus? You know, I think we've all got it wrong. 
I mean, Jesus was Jesus. And if, if you want to know, open the word of God and let that be your guide. Let that be your conviction. Let that be your passion. Don't make up the Jesus you want to follow. Follow the one that's been revealed to us. Because that's a lot harder to do. Because a lot of times right now, we know we don't look like him. But the good news is we will. The truth is, we will look just like Jesus if we're his children. A few weeks ago, we talked about uh, parapoteo. I said it earlier. I kind of slipped out there. But walking around with friends, you start to look like your friends. And if you're in a relationship with Jesus and you're talking to him and it becomes your normative behavior, you begin to look more like Jesus. And you can see that in your life. So the goal or the thought here is that that should be something worthy of aspiring to. It sounds silly to say that, doesn't it? Why, why would we ever think that it wouldn't be worthy to aspire to look like Jesus? But I think it's kind of, it's on the outs right now in our culture. Don't be, don't be like that. Don't be weird. It should burn in our soul. It should burn in our bones that we want to look like the one who saved us. We want to be like Jesus. We want to live like Jesus. And so these things should just come out, this, this desire. At the very least, if we can admit we don't look like him now, we can long for that, looking like Jesus who saved us. I'm going to close with this final thought here, right? We live in a time where there are people who will say, hey man, find your own way, right? Make your own path. Get out the machete. <laughs> go through the thick, you know. Don't, don't go that way. Do your thing. Gospel never says it. Gospel says, I, he, am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. The gate is narrow. But in this gate is all the kingdom. And I just want to remind you of that. That the truth is that this claim that Jesus makes is exclusive, right? And uh, it's a narrow gate. And the final thing from the word here, final word says, everyone who has this hope, hope what? In Jesus, this hope in God, this hope purifies himself, goes through the narrow gate, finds that little wedge where not many people are entering in. And they go that way with Jesus, as children, we have this birthright in Christ to be children of God. As, as, as those born again, we have a birthright in Jesus. And we can then find our way there. I'm going to ask the band to come back up, to lead us in worship. And I'm going to ask you this morning that whatever God's done in your heart, that you respond to him. One of the things that I'm always amazed by is it takes worshipers to worship, you know? It just takes us returning to God what is rightfully his and if he has moved in your heart today in some way, if he's um, challenged you, if he's rebuked you, if he's loved you, I'm going to invite you as they lead us to just respond to your father, to celebrate that with God.